Thank you for joining us today on Evergrowth Mastermind. Today's episode is March 2021, Resilience in Spite of Adversity. What we'll be exploring today? Do you respond well to change? Is this reaction serving you or holding you back? And how do you plan for the unexpected? We hope you enjoy today's episode. Thank you for joining us today on Evergrowth Mastermind. It's March 2021, and we are escaping a second lockdown, probably going into a third, if uh, <laughs> the way things are going. But, you know, we will see and hedge that. And, you know, the topic today is on resilience in spite of adversity. And if anything, the past year uh, has really highlighted is uh, adversity and what that means and how it affects people. So to set the context for today's talk, I will little intro that I came up with. And adversity is defined as adverse or unfavorable fortune or fate, a condition marked by misfortune, calamity, or distress. And we often think of it in these more extreme terms, like it's the pandemic, right? And the way media centers around it, you know, the tragedies that happen and our brain's predisposition to say, oh, that's, that's scary. That's warning. That's something I have to focus on, right? Um, but really adversity is life, you know, to, to think at any point you can go through life without some pain or suffering is very unrealistic. And that's kind of a toxic narrative that we've seen uh, more prevalent in like social media, you know, that people keep talking about and wanting to not have a painful life. And it's like, you know, of course, you don't want to inflict pain needlessly on yourself or others, but it's just impossible to go through life and not have to deal with things, you know? Um, and, you know, we're here talking today on technology, you know, we have food in our fridge, there's running water, and those are adversities that our forebears had to, you know, deal with on a daily basis or you die. Like that, that, that was adversity for them. And, you know, the, the pandemic, you know, has clearly shown us that, you know, there's some people who've been greatly affected. Their livelihood has been paused or maybe uh, gone away and they've had to pivot and try and find something new to keep moving on and you know, keep uh, moving forward with life in some way. And you know, then depending on where you live, you know, your culture, even the color of your skin, you know, these are some adversities that not all of us have to deal with uh, on a regular basis. And you know, some of us might not fully understand. And then switching that and looking at to what resilience is and how you know, the two kind of go together is resilience is defined as dealing with adversity. Uh, sorry, um, the ability of a person to adjust or recover readily from illness, adversity, or major life changes. And another word that they used in the definition was buoyancy. And you know, I thought that concept was very interesting as the definition because it's the fact that no matter what happens, no matter, you know, what conditions you get placed under, you have a way of still floating back to the top and not letting it drag you down, right? And, you know, just moving on in spite of, you know, those adversities. So the talking questions we have for today, which we'll be going through is, how or sorry, do you respond well to change? Um, because as defined, you know, 
uh, adversity is something happening and it's how essentially you kind of react to it. Then we'll touch on, you know, is that reaction serving you or holding you back? And lastly, how do you plan for the unexpected? Right? Yes, thank you, Pancake. Um, so <laughs> hopefully we don't get too much of her in the talk, but uh, to kick things off, uh, Mr. <laughs> Cornell, uh, if you could just set the stage with the, the first question here and frame, you know, how do you respond to change? And, you know, how is adversity, you know, and the changes because of that uh, played out in your life? So. <laughs> that, uh, that's a loaded question, my man. Um, you know, sorry. I like to give them that way. And, and I'm looking at that quote, too, and the quote is just, yes. holy cow. Like, Do you want to deliver the quote? Well, it says, to your strong people alone know how to organize their suffering so as to bear only the most necessary pain uh, by Emile Doran. And that, oh, my Lord, like that alone is, is loaded. So, okay, resilience in spite of adversity question is, do you respond well to change? Um, it depends on, for me, it depends on uh, the circumstances, meaning uh, in my personal life, I, I, I don't like, <laughs> I, I'm not a fan of too much change in my personal life. As, as you already know, I've been avoiding uh, social media. I guess I'm the anti-social media for like a very long time. And then quite frankly, this has been thrust upon me over the past uh month or two and and i'm just you know barely treading water at this point in time i feel like you know kind of overwhelmed by all the things that are happening so in my personal life i'm not a big fan of too much change um however in my professional life uh change is pretty much what's required uh, you know, as laws change, uh, I need to steer the company in that direction. As situations uh, occur, uh, I adapt quickly when it comes to, nope, we've got to go in this direction now. And that that's just the way it is. Um, and my goal is to clearly as, as, as the leader of the site to, to lead everybody in the direction of the change. So, it's weird to say that I am proficient as a change manager in a professional environment, but in my personal <laughs> life, I'm not a big fan of too much change. I want to come home and yep, my TV's over there and my desk is over there and so forth. So, um, that's, 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 that's my situation. I, I, I'm, a, uh, what's considered a change manager in my professional life, but not so good in my personal life. So, I don't know how to separate the two. Um, in spite of adversity, if we're saying resilience in spite of adversity, clearly uh, COVID had thrust me into uh, pandemic mode, uh, which most people who didn't experience H1N1 or SARS or MERS or anything like that, they were lost when it came to what it takes to manage through that type of environment. Um, for me, it was past training and so forth. And, and, and it was easy enough to lead the group through what's required. 
uh, big test for us was this past week. We, we, uh, we tested, uh, well, we're considered outbreak in, in outbreak status because we've had more than two people test positive in the past 14 days. It's a very, very stringent rule, but whatever, when you get into an environment with eight, 900 people, it makes sense. Um, we tested 118 people on site and 116 people came back negative. One person's test leaked. So that one was canceled and one person was tested as positive. That was seen as a great success, but I didn't find that successful because one person was walking around the building, asymptomatic, had no idea he had it and potentially is spreading COVID around. So I'm expecting to see a couple more. Will I respond well to this change? Absolutely. That's what I have to do. Uh, and, and my goal is to get other people there. Um, I find that if you lead by the guy being on top of the mountaintop, nobody's going to follow you. If you get down and dirty with everybody, you get, bring yourself down to their level. You can guide people through change. So I respond well in my professional life, not my personal life. That's where I'm, that's, 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 that's my story. I'm sticking to it. We'll, we'll dig into that some more with the. Oh no no no! Don't dig into it. It's 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 oh, good. No. We'll leave it right there. Don't don't worry. <laughs> I'm not letting you off the hook that easy. Yeah 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 yeah. Okay, and uh, uh, we have a guest here um, who uh, himself has been uh, affected by his profession, and uh, uh, Mr. Mooney, you'd really love to have um, uh, your take on how you responded to change, not just the pandemic, you know, more so across your life, but, uh, you know, this is obviously a very polarizing time for change. Yeah. Um, well, as far as the pandemic goes, uh, the beginning of it was tough. I had some like anxiety that seemed to come up from, uh, from an unconscious place. Like logically I seemed, I felt like I would, I wasn't worried, but like there was this, anxiety coming up anyway. So, uh, <laughs> um, so anyway, that was the beginning. And then, and my wife uh, struggled a lot with it. So there was, it became a dynamic in our relationship. She didn't get COVID, but she had some issues come up as a result of the stress of it and stuff. And, um, uh, and, but as for me, like professionally, actually my business got better as a result of COVID because my, I worked with my wife in the photography business and um, which was pretty good, but wasn't exactly what I wanted to do. And it made a tough dynamic in our relationship for many years because working together, it's like triples the problems that you have in the relationship because every time I screw up, at work it's also a relationship screw up and uh yes. stuff like that so um so that changed because the photography business uh, became completely shut down for a month or two in the beginning and i went full-time into my my other business which was i was doing part-time which is i'm a commercial illustrator i do images that illustrate uh educational materials mostly and um um, and I, I ended up going nuts on LinkedIn. I started a new website. I did everything in my power to try to uh, generate work. And um, all of a sudden I started getting a couple of really great clients, one uh, specifically about COVID. So they do like 
uh, services that support um, COVID testing and COVID safety in the workplace. And, um, and the other one was uh, a, a company and they have a local office here and they had lots of work and they just keep calling me and they pay well and they're great to work with. I love working with them, great personalities, very professional. It's, it was like, a, in a way it was like, for me it was positive as for my career. Um, so that's kind of a COVID effect on me. Um, and um, as far as in general, how do I deal with change? I grew up, I, lived, I went to 13 schools in 13 years when I was, uh, by the time I finished high school. Wow. And uh, yeah, so I, I, it was frustrating at the time, but I learned at a young age to adapt to change quite a lot and um, moving around the country and things like that. And um, so I think that's given me a bit of a comfort level with change. And I actually sometimes get, uh, I get um, a little anxious sometimes when the routine is too regular. So it's actually the opposite routine starts to make me um, frustrated. So I have to do things to break the routine sometimes just to feel more comfortable. So that's kind of where I'm at with change. Uh, the toughest changes for me are like emotional challenges that come up and uh, around relationships and things like that. Those are the things that are more difficult for me to deal with. Um, right. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I I can uh, mirror some of the uh, uh, ways COVID started with you is that, yeah, you know, kind of put on the, the happy face and like, uh, my wife and I already work from home uh, separately in different jobs. So it was like nothing changed, right? Yeah. And then over the months, you know, it was near her birthday that affected her and, you know, uh, it made it very tough. And then, you know, it finally got to me at some point is like, okay, sure, you know, I'm still working, still have stable income, but, you know, we were taking the lockdown very seriously, the first one, and, like, not even leaving the house except for groceries, and that, you know, imposed isolation can start to play on your mind until, you know, you, you kind of, that becomes the routine, <laughs> and you have a bit of a expectation, and knowing, you know, how it's going to play out, that it's like, okay, well, if I really need to, like, go for a walk, I can just go for a walk outside, like, it's not that restrictive and if i want to go to a park the parks are opening and um living in uh, the niagara region where i am you know there's no lack of beautiful places to go and visit and just kind of reset your brain to say no things aren't that bad i can still keep going and you know i have the the, the ability to to keep moving and be unaffected but there's definitely that that mental you know thing that you just can't get by and this just the way we're wired, but it's like, you know, we're, we're always trying to find that stability. And as Cornell mentioned, you know, the, the personal life is sometimes harder to change than the, per, uh, the professional. And, you know, that, that, that's pretty realistic in a sense because we tie a lot of ourselves to our professional life to say, that's what's supporting us. That's what's giving us more opportunities to keep, you know, uh, enhancing our life in some way. Like, bigger house, you know, supporting kids or pets or family members and, you know, bringing the family in at some point is like, how do we 
you know, kind of keep moving up that way. So the career becomes that thing that we always champion. So we have to change. You can't think that, you know, you can't do something and just sit on the couch, right? And your, your life's going to keep going upwards. So the professional side becomes this thing that you do focus on and say, yes, I'm going to keep changing and keep evolving to make sure that we're supporting our family. And then the personal side is the one that seems to take some of the brunt, at least uh, in my life, is that, you know, it's kind of second hand, like, you know, take care of the career first. Oh, now I have to deal with physical or mental issues that I've been putting off or not addressing or not focusing on my well-being. And that's, you know, the change that, you know, can happen in bad ways because not paying attention to it. That's the adversity that you ignore <laughs> um, in some ways, you know. And mm-hmm. I've had a lot of mixed things with health over the years. Uh, I've been on a call now that, you know, I was heavy as a teenager. I lost weight in my 20s. And then it's been a roller coaster since. And, you know, uh, addiction to food has been probably my greatest adversity in life. And the the changes in life actually determine whether or not I gravitate back to that, right? So if I am too stressed or not able to cope with certain situations in life, I've gravitated back to my addiction and food and just eating you know, being unhealthy in that sense, because it's comforting. It's this, you know, center of my brain that says, hey, you're going to feel better, even though the end result is not feeling better. It's that in that moment, pleasure and that escape, you know, that lets me go into that. So, you know, as far as the the change and dealing with my health and physicality and mental health, you know, there's been constant changes. It's not been static by any means, even though I think you know, at times maybe nothing's changing, but it's either getting worse or better every day. <laughs> and it, it, maybe it's a bit of a lie. We tell ourselves to think like nothing's changing, but by definition, like our, our bodies replace itself after seven years, except for the nervous system. So if we think there's nothing changing, it's a fallacy. And then relationships, you talk about that, like over time, you know, the person you married is not the person you're with. And if you're not changing it and you know, identifying that change and respecting the fact that you're both changing it, you know, it, it gets harder. Right. But uh, yeah, it's a bit of a bit of a lie that we tell ourselves. And this is where the adversity comes in. It's like, it, it doesn't really stop, even though we try and tell ourselves sometimes it should, or it isn't going to be as impactful, you know, then a lockdown two happens, you know, as it did over the, the holiday break. And again, it's like, oh, okay, I'm back in this mode. Am I going to react the same way? Am I going to be different or more positive? Or like, you know, it just plays in your mind a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think we embraced, we, we embraced it in one of our conversations. Like, you know, it's like, it's almost like change is a organic part of our life. And I think if we, if we don't, don't embrace it, we just never grow, right? So just like we were talking about muscles, we were talking about like, really physical body as you mentioned and i think for lots of lots of us it's like yeah recognizing that it's always going to be a change yeah well since you got the mic mr Burgens, uh you know how how have you responded to change throughout your life uh i'm just um you know i was listening money and uh i i'm sitting with him i think changing a bunch of schools or just like maybe shifting around and um traveling since i was a kid um, it's been uh, it's been kind of like really interesting sometimes not to have a change, 
like really um, sometimes I think I'm finding myself for the past couple well a year and a half if the change doesn't exist it's almost like something else is missing in my life and um, how I do respond to change I think really adaptable and like I think from the same where I started recognizing that the life has changed and if you cannot change you cannot grow and it means if if you if you don't change you just you don't leave right so like in my view or, or I guess my my story which I'm telling myself when I'm waking up every day is just uh, life is just you know it's consistent change and if you embrace every moment uh like Buddhist monk like you know it's like everything gonna be just uh whether it's good or bad, it doesn't matter. It's consistently every minute going to be changing. And um, and I'm okay with it. And as I said, through COVID, I only recognize that I, um, I'm not okay with no change at all. Right. So like when you're just working from the same place and when you just walk down in the same um, apartment with no change at all, <laughs> like it gets depressing. Like, I, and that's where I'm, I guess, pushing myself to find a ways to to do change like and um my woman been really helpful we just we would go together to um for walks or just like do some different activities through through the week um to embrace the change or just do something different from simply staying at home and doing nothing um so yeah that that would be my, my short version of this um definitely good with change and and sometimes it's the opposite is craving for change <laughs> like the change is not happening. Completely. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Uh, what you and Mooney have shared that moving around and now that you're, if you get too comfortable, it feels dangerous, <laughs> and you have to keep moving, right? But well, in- I, I can I can tell you, it's like I was, I was just looking um, yesterday uh, at uh, the amount of travels I've been doing a year, like country to country, place to place, and just finding myself like where if. In one year, I could travel, I don't know, three different countries um, and just change so many places and just like, once or twice a month be somewhere and ended up like staying uh, without moving at all. Uh, it's definitely, it's, it's a big change as well itself. <laughs> like, it, And it's also lack of change is a change, right? <laughs> yes. That's a good way of looking at it. Um, thank you. Uh, Mr. Anderson, I'd like to uh, get some insight from your brother, and uh, you're always going through changes uh, as well. And like, you know, how does that affect you? And like, you know, how how impactful have those changes been? And just your life story is always super interesting to hear. Man. Yeah. Good morning, everybody. So yeah, change. I can totally relate with uh, with what's been said here with with change. It. Um, it's actually where I found my advantage in life, uh, especially being, you know, with elite sport, because adaptability is one of the keys. And a lot of people just don't don't adapt well. They don't deal with change well. And I found out, you know, at a very early age that uh, if I could embrace change, then, um, you know, as growth and as movement, like time, time. Nina Simone has a you know a song every everything must change and I, it's one of my favorite songs as a kid growing up. He's a wonderful it's, artist. Uh, yeah, everything must change. Nothing stays the same. And just embracing that and maybe um, 
like Scott Knox has talked about moving around. And I grew up in a neighborhood where, you know, there weren't a lot of certainties. Um, and I think that certain environments and certain experiences just, they require you to be adaptable and uh, you just get a skill base where change isn't the thing that really throws you off. Like change doesn't ups um, upset me as much as hate and deceit. Those are the things that really challenge me uh, mentally and emotionally is, um, you know, people who try to undermine you are just hate, you know, we don't agree. Okay, great. Let's leave each other alone, but to actually actively try to undermine and um, harm someone else, that's what throws me off. And yeah, so if there's any change that gets me, it's physical change. Now that I'm getting older, <laughs> that's uh, like I used to be able to take a certain amount of pressure and stress. Now that's what I do, it's a little bit coaching, pressure and stress, that's, those are the moments where you get your results. But as I get older, my body takes it. It's, it's, it's holding the stress and the pressure. <clears throat> so my mind's like, okay, we're good. We know how to do this. And the body's like, no, we're not. So having to stay in better physical condition and look at what I eat, because that's, that's the change that's probably giving me the most um, challenge is as I get older, the physical change. My mind can take the stress, but the body's like, no, go take a nap or you better eat an apple, <laughs> do some push-ups. You know, you're not ready for this. So that's me, man. Yeah, thank you, brother. And, um, you know, that's like the the physical thing as you age, right? Again, it's one of those inevitabilities that's an adversity just built into us. Right? There's things that are going to be harder that are going to break down unless we're trying to, to match it in some way. And I, I think I had mentioned the concept, uh, the one doctor I follow, Dr. Hyman, is about like your lifespan versus your health span. Is that, you know, we keep having longer lives, but are we really staying healthy long enough or as, you know, as long as possible to really to, to keep that life going and be enjoyable? And uh, yeah, you're <laughs> You're right on point with that, Anderson. It was the same thing, right? People are living longer, but do their finances, you know, <laughs> what's their fi financial uh, span, you know, that goes with that as well. So, yeah, I totally relate with that. We're living longer. We're probably living better than we have ever in history when you look at the humanity as a whole. But mentally, emotionally, I find especially young people are less equipped for the pressures of life and old people are less equipped for the pressures of life. So it's, it's a really weird space right now in time. Yeah. Well, I mean, the acceleration of technology has definitely changed the trajectory of humanity, right? And just from the industrial age to where we are right now, like uh, some of it is just maybe too fast that we are not designed to keep up, you know? And the ones who come out of it, like... Um, I'm talking about change uh, for those of you who have kids, right? It's like uh, the kids who are going to react well to this pandemic and the way education has affected them are going to be superstars. And those who can't cope, they're going to struggle. And it's just like a divide that's just nature. It's, you know, the the, the evolution of like 
the ones that take to it and adapt and recognize this is an opportunity, even at a young age. And uh, I don't know if I would have been that, unfortunately, but I am now because of the way my life changed. But is it's going to be interesting to see what the next couple you know uh, decades are with those kids and how things turn out. And you know. um, but let's move into the the second question now. Kind of dig a bit deeper into some of this. So, you know, as mentioning adversity, you know, it's it's going to happen to us, but it's a reaction of how we, you know, take that in, what we do with it, and that's where the resiliency comes in to say um, how you're kind of moving past it, or you know, floating back up to the top, not letting it drag you down, and. Um, yeah, I'm going to bring it back to you, Mr. Cornell, that uh, you struggle with the personal changes, right? And, you know, what what does that look like over the years and how has that affected you? And, you know, because you struggle with it, is that something you feel still holding you back a bit? Or is there times where it's been easier and you've gotten past it and then something else comes back and just give me some thoughts on that, brother? <laughs> So we just go on personal side, not the professional side. Okay. <laughs> you said you're all good there. So there's no there's no resistance. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So personal side, um, yeah, my knee-jerk reaction is to keep things the way they are. As much as you want to upgrade your house, let's say, or upgrade how you live, or you want to learn more and you know, you just constant upgrade mode training physically as steve says all that kind of stuff it's 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 a it's like an emotional anchor thing for me man i i don't i don't get it really and truly i don't i don't i don't get that side of me that when it comes to um you know let's let's say relationships or whatever i don't like it when shit changes like you know we're, we're trucking along in this direction. Everything is great. And all of a sudden you want to go that way. I'm like, Hey, Hey, pump the brake. What? I just, I'm a mess. Um, so it's sir. My knee jerk reaction is always to say, no, I'm not, no, I'm not doing that. No, 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 no. And that hard stop is usually, oh, okay. Well, you know, like the people around me or whatever are like, well, if this guy can't, can't grow or change or whatever, we'll just leave him behind um, and keep on going. So that's where my downfall is. And I don't know if it's an introvert thing or whatever it is, but I get, I get like in almost every aspect of my life, I'm good at change, except for, I guess, the, the personal relationship side where people want to go somewhere else. I have difficulty going down that road. Um, the road of change. I have found that when I just go with the flow, things usually turn out well, which is also why I don't understand why I got that mental or emotional block to be able to go with the flow. You know, it's, 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 I have to have a plan. I have to, it, you need to plan the event. You can tell me, Hey, next week, I want to go and do this. And I'm good with that. We'll go do it. You tell me, hey, what are you doing? Um, just working on programming my set for tonight. Okay, we're going out down here. Uh, no, 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 I'm not good with that. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. I, I got to stick with the plan. 
and, and, and that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's where I fuck up. I, I, I don't flow well. I'm not, I, I guess that's the word. I'm not spontaneous enough. If that makes sense. Yeah. And do you feel that's still holding you back? Oh, hell yeah. Absolutely. Look at, look at, look at my man, bro, down there. I don't know what country he's going to be in next week. I can't do that. I, I, I need, I need a plan. Like, I don't know where Alex is going to be. Alex is going to call me from fucking Fiji and say, Hey, gents, not going to be able to make the meeting because my time zone's all screwed up and I'm 22 hours ahead of you. And I'm like, when the hell did you go to Fiji? You know what I mean? So that's my, I, 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 that's, you know, I try to take from, okay, so as a DJ, and here's the other thing, as a DJ, I got to adapt to a crowd. I adapt to it. See, professional life, I'm good. So as a DJ, you're sitting there and you're watching crowds move and change and so forth. And you're trying to adapt to whatever the, whatever emotions you see or whatever reactions you see. And, and I can do that again. It's part of the plan, shall we say, if somebody just comes to me out of nowhere and says, I want you to play, you know, eighties, I'm like, okay, I'll get there in about a half an hour. You know what I mean? Like I need time to make that adjustment. Same thing in life. So, so it sounds like you're okay with change, but it just you you're doing it at your own pace. Yes. So that's, that's what, yes. Okay. I like that, Alex. I love you. You see that? You made me feel better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Love it too. <laughs> and you know, to to point, uh, you mentioned introvert, and then you know you like planning. So the a certain aspect that. The better you know yourself, the more effective you can manage that change. Correct. Whether it's at your own pace, you know. And some people are, you know, slow learners or slow in life, you know, that uh, things pick up only after a certain point. But um, throw it back to you, Mr. Mooney, and, you know, kind of have you reflect on how you react to change. And, you know, some of those reactions that uh, still play out. Uh, affecting you negatively in any way? Um, I don't know. What's coming to mind is that that sort of need for change has shaped what I do for a living. Like I used to work in an office. So it's actually kind of served, well, I ended up choosing a career that it serves. So I'm a, I'm an illustrator and I'm continually dissatisfied with um, my skills. So I keep learning more things and I want to change. I want to make, I want to improve my ability to use color or uh, to, to draw things in better uh, compositions or whatever, and try different things. And um, it's kind of, uh, it's really served that my career to keep doing that. Um, so but if I was, I mean, I used to work in a corporation in, a, in an art department doing corporate communications as an illustrator, which was a great opportunity. Um, but it was a real struggle for me because they had a certain style that they did everything in and they didn't, they were, they had actively resisted allowing me to grow as, a, as an artist. They didn't want me to try new things. 
And um, I found that extremely frustrating. And eventually I adapted to that and thought, okay, well, I'll have my own art practice at home. And, uh, and that's where I'll get what I need to learn and grow. And I'll just have this as a job. Um, but anyway, I only worked there for three years. Um, there was a, a big layoff. We lost half the art department and I was one of those people. And um, I had been, I had just, you know, kind of surrendered to embracing this full-time career thing. I'm going to, I'm going to be great in this job. I'm going to go for it. And then I, but I, and I had been daydreaming about being a freelancer for a long time and really wanting that. And then I was thrust into it and uh, yeah. And then, so it was hard actually. Uh, it was hard. For, I had a lot of um, ideas of what it was to be a freelancer that were wrong. And I just was stubbornly attached to those. So in a way that like I was not allowing myself really to change those things. And um, it became a problem in my my career. So it took me, a, uh, I had to learn, learn to adapt my own thinking over time. And that wasn't so quick. So <laughs> I don't know if I'm yes. answering the question, but uh, yeah, no, serving you me. unlearn what you have learned. Yeah. Yeah. I had made up ideas in my head of, of how great this was going to be <laughs> and how easy it was going to be to be a freelancer. And it, it, it wasn't, it took a lot of a lot of growing pains to get to where I am now. So it's almost like um, you had certain expectations or at least uh, ideals that you thought were true. And then once reality kind of put in front of you, you're a freelancer now, what you were mm -hmm. dreaming about, it was like, oh, wait a minute. I, <laughs> I don't have some of the skills that I thought I had. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I didn't think it was going to be this hard to do it. <laughs> You know, so I, I, I kind of had my head in the sand for a lot of my youth. I wasn't, um, <clears throat> I wasn't really open to, um, and I had a lot of resistance uh, around business. I had a lot of ideas of what that was and what that meant. And then I had judgments about it that prevented me from really embracing it and took me a while to learn that business isn't that, um, it's not that cliche <laughs> idea that I thought it was. And it can be, it can be a, uh, it can be a space to create great things and to follow your purpose. And so it took me a while to, to embrace the entrepreneurial side. I'm an artist at heart. I want to like grow and develop the product basically and uh, the business side was like a big, scary, uh, unknown thing. And I, and I thought I had to be something I didn't want to be in order to succeed. Yeah. And um, I just learned actually a lot through this men's work. I just and other things. I just learned that who I am is a leadership style that, that can work. So <laughs> uh, it took me a while to figure that out. And uh and embrace that yeah yeah and this is something that Anderson kind of touched on like you know we come in as teenagers into our 20s and we have this kind of trajectory we think we have to go or should go and 
how much of that is really our choice and like did you even get to really explore the kinds of things you wanted to be and that's why i've been fascinated on with stuff like star trek like that utopian you get to be you know what you are most you know efficient or inspired to be and like what could we be if we were able to give that chance to everyone over time but you know that's not how life works right now so you have to start a job you have to figure something out and then it has to keep evolving you know and you didn't have choices so but it sounds like you're able to adapt and uh, find those changes uh, over time even though again you, you struggled through them um so we'll go back to you know mr Bergantz now and uh you know you've you know, from uh, some of the events in your life you've gone through some you know grave adversity right and uh now you know being a canadian citizen with your family back home and now being in a relationship you know you've gone through many changes even since i've known you which i'm happy for and you know so how do you find you you react to those kind of changes and changes in your life and are there some of them still still holding you back You know, it's interesting because <clears throat> I can relate to Casey. Like he was, he was explaining that he is not good with changes. I remember myself, like I grew up in a very square, I guess, uh, community where, you know, you don't change it. Uh, well, like, unless it's broken, right? So like you, you never, you never take the part out unless it's just completely broken. You never just start something random unless it's just, it doesn't work. And I think many, many years uh, in my life, that's what I've been living by. Like, you know, just like, and I think I'm still in certain respects in certain areas of my life. I'm very, um, very well like that. Like, you know, like in, in the business and work, if certain principles, um, they work. I'm not going to change them. Um, certain areas of my life, like, you know, just similar to, again, to KC, like if, if the workouts are routine working and gives me this peace of mind, my, my, my version of four agreements, like I'm not going to change it because that's my choice by itself. But I might adjust them. I might be slightly change them itself, like internally. Um, and, and I think over the years, just realizing um, through my teens, like it's been really difficult, right? So just to, to embrace the change, like, because it's kind of like you, in one hand, you don't change the things, but you realize in real life events that things consistently change And you either kind of left behind um, with your ignorance or might be just because your ego, like you don't want to, you don't want to embrace this change. Um, you don't want, you know, like I'm not going to be the first guy lining up for, for the new iPhone, a new, a new computer. And it's funny, I would know lots of, lots of guys who would do, right? So, and, and the same, like, I, I probably would try to, to jump on the, on the wagon, like of just like new technologies when it comes to development and construction. And, and I would be the first one in line, right? So this is like just simple example of like those changes. I think we all through our life make choice of um, to what areas in the life we more advantageous and more open to changes. And certain areas we, we are like less um, interested in changing. Right. So like, yeah, like you're not, I think everybody went through like the changes in life where it's like dating, for example, I don't know, you go partner and partner and then just start to, to, you know, cohabitate with the same partner and really just be clear on what you want. And I think this is all those internal changes 
every single step away. It just shows who you are and your progression and your maturity. And I think as you mature enough, you just you kind of clarifying for yourself what what you really want, and you create this kind of bubble around yourself. And then if you leave, like for myself, I always leave like I don't know X amount of percentage for changes. Um, before I would be like, okay, this is my day. This is how it looks like. And as I progressed last few years, I find myself like from 20% unpredicted, changing it and being open to 50% of my day being unpredicted. Oh, this is a huge shift. You, my friend. I knew there'd yeah. be a like percentage. <laughs> it, it definitely, it has to be a percentage. It has to be in a number, right? So, and, um, um, and that's what I've been really, I think in one hand, I've been really, unflexible with changes but on the other hand i think i'm just progressed quite a bit i remember like just coming to canada and you know remember people would say well just you should look at the things like gray way like for me because i was like black and white you know and i was like how you can look at the things gray way right so it's like it's not here and not there you just you cannot be half pregnant but you know just certain ways um through like living here and just also just growing i realized well you can look at certain things and just see it as a progression, a constant progression in different stage. And you can divide them to stages and say, this is the stage where, where am I right now? And allow the changes coming in. Like on the personal level, again, being consistently to open, learning new things. That's what keeps me driving. That's where, again, Casey is saying, well, you, I don't know where I can find you. For me, I related my traveling with exploring and learning or being open-minded. Um, and I find that's what my parents give me since I was a kid. Like I realized pretty quick, it doesn't matter who you are, what's your background, where you're from, you can find good people and bad people in any countries in the world. And it depends on who you are, you can attract the certain people and certain values to your life. And I think this still keeps me, or helps me to grow and uh, find the things which I wouldn't otherwise like you know just if you kind of stuck like let's say living in Canada and you say the things has to be done this way and you go to Japan and you drive on different sides of the road and you looking at the way in traditions and history and you say oh like this is wrong it's like no like more you embrace those changes and those different things it allows you to kind of widen your lens and look at what could be done right so like me like referring to your example you're like oh just I always wanted to do X, like, you know, just be in my own business, be, uh, be this guy. But, and then just like, we get to this machine after we graduate, it's like, well, you have to work, you have to earn your money. And then, um, you kind of like not embracing those changes, like where you're like, Oh, fuck, I, I want to go and try it on. And you just, you go more conservative way because that's how it should be. You have to be a good guy. You have to be, do this and that. And I think this is just depends on who you are. And, and for myself, I'm just, before I would judge people and say, you would do it this way. I mean, I'm still not 100% good at not judging people, but I find I'm <laughs> way better at um, being open to possibility in different views than I used to be before. And I think this specific recipe, I want to continue and, and even, you know, um, future deliver it to my future kids, say, this is what, what I want you to understand, it's okay. It's okay to, to have a different view and different point of view because all the wars in the world, all the problems in the world is because of uh, being resistant to change, being resistant to, um, to new ideas or different points of view. 
And I think they all can, can coexist if you can connect on the value level. And if you can embrace who you are and just associate yourself with a certain group of people, that's all okay. And um, yeah, that would be my part of this long answer to this question. But I think I was trying to, to go as wide as I could, which is not typical for me. All good, man. Appreciate the, the perspective for sure. Um, yeah, that's definitely, you know, the, the worldview we have, you know, it, it does start from, again, growing up, how we're kind of influenced by those around us, the community, society, but those of us who are able to get past that and recognize that you know, we're, we're all here on this one, you know, the blue drop as one of the, uh, the astronauts, I think, quoted is like, that's the only chance we have is working together and finding a way to make those differences still matter without trumping one or another and saying, mine is better than yours or such. But Mr. Anderson, going back to you here with this and, you know, what is, uh, what has been your reaction to changes? And um, just to add something to it is like, you know, the changes you've made or the changes thrust upon you. So you know, kind of how do you, you react to that over the years and is some of that holding you back? Yeah, this is, this is two sides of it. And the universe is such an amazing uh, friend and teacher. <laughs> I'm finding even as we're having this conversation, things are coming to me. Um, one of the hate, hate, I've, I've been complacent in the face of hate to, um, to get security. And one way to get security is to keep things the same. Subconscious mind is always trying to keep us the same so we don't kill ourselves, trying new stuff. We got to have security. And part of that security for me has been complacency, accepting certain behavior at work, um, protecting things like income and job to take care of family, all that sort of stuff, just being complacent. And when I know that the situation is wrong, uh, I shouldn't be there, I should be standing up, I should be speaking up. Um, and right now, it just seems like the whole universe is screaming for a systemic change, <laughs> whether it's, you know, um, the economy, our economic system, um, you know, racism. On a personal level, it's me and my complacency. And hate is running rampant. Hate and deceit. And I have been complacent. I have set back for my own, for my own personal gain to have security, to have uh, comfort. I've not stood up and challenged it. And um, I can't be that person anymore. I can't be the person who um, just wants security and not having change. So I got to stand up in the face of hate and uh, conceit or, or deceit. Because deceit is the number one weapon to keep uh, hate, hate going. And that's, I mean, it, it might sound like an indirect topic, but it's the thing that's impacting me the most. It's just how complacent I am for security and security is not, not changing. It's trying to keep it, keep it the same. And that's one of our, our primary needs is, you know, certainty. 
But then our second primary need is uncertainty. And there you go, there's the human condition. <laughs> you know? So I'm doing a course with this really brilliant, uh, um, I think psychologist, I can't really remember her credentials, but one of the things she talked about is um, children in the womb get all their needs met. There's nothing but certainty. There's, the universe is supporting this, this life. Every person starts out this way for nine months. We are completely supported. We get everything we want, when we want it, when we need it for our, our survival. And then we get born. And right away, we enter the world of reciprocity. And right so away. You. What's that? What's that, Casey? And somebody smacks you. They not only smack you, you get cut off from all your resources. You get yeah. cut off from the universe. Yeah. You get smacked. And now if you want something, you either have to ask for it or you have to do something. No, man, you yeah. got to cry for it. What do you mean ask? Well, cry, babies only have one voice, it's to cry, you know, or be silent. And silent means death. So yeah. you got to cry. Yeah. Or, or once you develop language, you ask for it, whether it's, whether it's you verbally ask for it or through your actions. And we are so messed up from this first seven years of life trying to get our requests met and not having a lot of them met, we start to we start to internalize all that crap. Am I worthy? All this sort of stuff, and it's just this setup. It's this setup going from the world like the world is me, not even aware of anything else, and all my needs are met immediately. To now I'm in this world with others. I have to share it, and I don't get most of the things I want when I want them. <laughs> I got to go out and do. I got to do something. I got to actually ask for it. I do. And it creates this thing. And now we get this conflict like, oh, well, you're going to get it and I'm going to lose out. So you put this together with change and all this sort of stuff. And that's our, that's our human condition. So the thing for me, the change that I've got a question right now. What do I need to know that I don't know? That's the context I'm living right now. And it took me a long time to come to it because I think I know a lot. And I've lived, I made my living on knowing a lot and being able to produce results. And now I'm in this state where I have to grow, I have to change, it's so uncomfortable. And my question is, what do I need to know that I don't know? And one of the things that I'm learning that I need to know is I need to not be freaking complacent. I need to stand the hell up and I'm tired of hate. I'm tired of hate, whether it's self-hate or hate for anybody else, I've had enough of it. I'm over it right now and Buck's taking it. No more bring me some hate you're gonna get a damn smack in the face i'm not taking this shit anymore none of it and i'm not gonna stand by and watch it in my world i'm not gonna leave this world to my son so uh there's change happening right now and that's my change if you want to hear some change that's my change and is it serving me how i have been hasn't served me trying to oblige and, and you know compromise with other people and no that has not served me it's kept it's kept it the same and how am I changing? I'm not taking anymore. I'm not taking anymore. You know what's interesting? I'm one, from 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 many people here on the call, you one of one um, who's been in consistent change in the in the way of like sports, right? So in sports, you cannot advance without change. You embrace the change, right? So that's where you studied the call. And I'm surprised you're talking about complacency, like right? So it's, sometimes it's funny, and and I think I agree with you. It's it's funny that certain areas of my life, I just I don't want to change ever. Right. So like, I think we, we all attracted to stability and I think maybe that's just a new term as I'm listening to you, I'm just thinking like change versus stability. 
right? So yeah. like, because, you know, like stability also kind of entails some changes, but at least it's stable, right? So, I mean, um, for some of us who are in, you know, in pursuing our own businesses, right? So it's consistent hunt, right? So like you, you eat what you kill, but at the same time, would I like to have my paycheck like once a month? So at least I can chill sometimes. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. That's real. That's you, real. you know, you know what I mean? It's just like, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. normal. it's a paradox. We don't it's, deal with paradise. It's a damn paradox. That's the but problem. That's, that's where, <laughs> you know, I think where I want to bring it to, like, it's like, I don't know some of you who read the power of now or like just, you know, uh, some of those books where just be talking about this, you know, Zen Buddhist monk kind of like wisdoms where, you know, at the end of the day, I think it's what is, right? So it just, it doesn't matter whether it just, it's better, good or hate or happiness, just embrace it as is. It's all good. It, it cannot be just like fully no change and just change it all. It just, it has to be like, okay, whether it's this or that. And I'm just, I'm listening to you. I'm just, I'm saying like, it's, it's interesting how we, I think through maybe society get to hate the change or like the change or might be through our education and where I think both of them are okay. It's okay to have this and that. It's okay to just to go through the changes in your life and just be stable. And uh, I think that's where it's all going, at least for myself, just listening to this. Yeah, this is, this is the problem. That's a great point. This, this is the problem that I see is semantics. We have created a language where we, we try to interpret the world and express ourselves through this language. The language is, <laughs> who can understand the English language, for example? Who can understand the English language? If I say something, you are not going to understand what I'm trying to communicate with you. I don't even understand what I'm trying to bitch. communicate. It's, it's, it's crazy. So change and growth. Now, if I call it growth, it's more palatable. I can understand that. If I call it change, it's scary and unpredictable. It's the same freaking thing. Uh, evolution growth, whatever you want to call it, but that's the, that's the head trip. The head trip is we try to think in this linear way so that it's logical and predictable. There is nothing, this third question, man, this is, this is the juice. This, this third question that you have here, yeah. Homer, this is the juice, man. Can I, can I ask you actually some, something related to, to, to you and your experience? Like, like this is like, you'll see change on the big level. It's like, how, why would you change your life from leaving um, four seasons in the sun south in the states and come somewhere like in canada where you have four seasons so you basically doing the big change in your lifestyle in order to occur the consistency in your income you know what like it just is this crazy if you think so this like the combination of those changes in our life because we think we are making changes for stability while we're just adjusting other things around us So yeah, Anderson, not, for, for you, moving, moving, like, this is a big part, right? So I'm specifically pointing to you. You changed well, this your is, complete lifestyle because yeah, of that, I've, right? I've had to, had to change my complete life uh, because of external circumstances. Um, but I should have changed my life well before the circumstances caused me to do it. So, <laughs> you know, that... Um, that was an interesting thing. Yeah. Um, Can you still hear me? Yeah, yeah I'm hearing something in the background. Yeah, but something's going on. 
Somebody's got some audio points. Okay. Can you still hear me? Yeah, yeah. we're hearing some okay. playback though. Yeah, sorry about that. That, um, yeah, so here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. And I'm, I'm gonna go to the third question here now because this is this is the juice. I know I'm, I'm the Olympics. I do the Olympics, five Olympic games so far. And there is no way to plan for what's going to happen. I was in Atlanta in 1996 and a bomb went off. You can't plan for the, you know, you don't know the bomb's gonna go off. And my athletes just happened to be there 30 minutes in that same area before the bomb went off. You don't know that's gonna happen. It happened. So it's not about planning for the unexpected. That's, that's, a, that's a false uh, thing we created so we can deal with the uncertainty of life. <laughs> that's a man-made construct to deal with the fact that we have to change. Subconscious doesn't like it. What we can do is prepare. Success happens when preparation meets opportunity. That's what we do. We get ready and resilience is one part of that. Adaptability is one part of that. If you don't, if you don't develop your resilience and your adaptability and resilience, you get smacked down to the ground, you get up. I love this quote, strong people alone know how to organize their suffering so as to bear only the most necessary pain. I live this. My dad got killed when I was nine. So I know how to organize my pain so that it, I don't interpret it as pain. Because if I live my life interpreting my pain as pain, then I'm a victim and I'm, I'm I can't move, I'm stuck. So I've had to learn how to compartmentalize and organize my pain in a way so that it inspires me, it motivates me, it makes me appreciate this moment right now because the next one's not promised. I know that. I know the next moment's not promised. I can't live my life like the next moment's promised. That's a lie. And once I know that, then I'm gonna embrace this moment. I'm gonna show up. And that's where I let myself down with complacency, not showing up in the face of, of hate and, and, and the things I know I should be showing up, me personally. That's just my personal, my personal thing. But the prep, it's the, all in the preparation. So if I'm not working on my resilience, if I'm not putting myself in situations where I need to be resilient, where I don't know if I can make it, and then I get back to the ground, and then I have to get up, if I'm not putting myself in those sort of situations, when the big one comes, I'm screwed. I, I, there's nothing for me to do but sit there and take it. And the lessons I've learned in life is I can't just sit there and take it. I can't let somebody else be in control of my decisions and my life. That has to be me because I'm the one that's going to have to live it. You know, maybe someone else can create a better life, you know, external circumstance or whatever, but I won't be responsible and I won't be in control. I'm a puppet if I let someone else create for me. So even if it shows up bad, I gotta be the one who's deciding whether I cooperate with this or not. And that's, that's where I get my sense of control from. I'm making conscious decisions to live with this or not live with this. <laughs> and that's the, that's the best I can do with being able to control my life. If I think I can actually control the circumstances, my life, look at, here we are with COVID. Are you kidding me? Come on. What can you really control? I can influence and I can, re I can respond mm -hmm. with what I've planned and what I've trained for. And that's where, that's where the, the results, the real results and the control in my life comes from. 
me being prepared for whatever shows up and then me choosing powerfully. That's all I get. And all the work is building myself into the person who can choose in alignment with who I, how I wanna live. That's what I get, how I decide to live. And I'm trying to create that for my son. What life does he want for himself? And will he have the tools to be able to choose that and make it real? Or is he gonna have to live some other life, life that I create for him or somebody else creates for him because he doesn't have the power to create his own. That sucks. I understand people choose it because it's safe, but it sucks for me. So, you know, no, you can't plan for it, but if you're not prepared for it, good luck. <laughs> you're not preparing, good luck. Well said, my friend. And I just wanted to hark back to our uh, December talk. Um, playing it safe, YOLO versus risk versus stability. When we, we dug into that concept of stability a bit more that you know, homeostasis is something we're always gravitating to. We want everything to be the same, to be comfortable, to know that we're safe. And, you know, the very definition of stability is that you're actually adaptable, that you're able to, you know, always be stable no matter what happens, you know? It's like, uh, you know, table has four legs, right? Instead of three, you know, much more stable, right? <laughs> so that if things rock, it's still standing. Um and that that plays into to this and the resilience is you know stability is not static although it's the as you said anderson like the the way we phrase words and reuse words and repurpose words it, it often dilutes the the real meaning behind it and english as language is quite hilarious because the double meanings and things is just endless <laughs> but i'll i'll chime in here in two and three kind of loop in my sense on this and <clears throat> reactions to uh, adversity you know over my life i would say in general i was okay at it i wouldn't say great uh until uh, i lost weight the first time and then you know that confidence and that willpower to like you know, stop eating bad food to take care of my health that was like a, okay i can actually like uh, like you're saying, Steve, like get some control because I'm making a choice. I'm not putting the bad food in. I'm putting in good food. I'm choosing to do some exercise. I'm making things happen instead of just, you know, going along with it and not paying attention to it or not admitting that it's my responsibility to to make that difference. And, you know, but then as time goes on, you get in a relationship, get more comfortable, stresses of work come up, and then... I start reacting to things poorly again. And then I gravitate back to the bad food. And then it's just like a cycle that kind of repeats itself. And, you know, in recent years, I've been striving to, to kind of resolve that and kind of get to why I react that way and why, you know, I go to anger and things like that. And the, the men's group was definitely a huge, you know, course correction to move me back in the, the right direction I wanted to go. And, uh, you know, only with the pandemic have I like, you know, I'm uh, approaching my forties now, you know, I, I was definitely a late bloomer, right? So I, I was very reclusive. I stayed indoors uh, much of my youth and then, you know, started to kind of socialize a bit in my twenties. So I kind of like deferred a bit of life that some kids do in high school and kind of get that over with. I didn't start till my twenties. So I've always been a bit late and kind of, uh, you know, 
getting through certain aspects of life. The relationship didn't start till near the end of my twenties, the first relationship. So, you know, I took a different path than, than many do, but this past year of the pandemic and a year, which again, mentally has still been very tough in a lot of ways. You know, it's the first time where I've been able to buckle down and finally just say, okay, all these old little things that I'm reacting to poorly in the way I deal with stress, like you mentioned, Steve, internalizing it into your body and letting it just kind of be away at you, even if you can be okay mentally, it, it, it affects you. It affects your health more than we ever realized. And, you know, I, I had to look at that and be like, I can't, can't keep being like this. Like, I can't let this go on for another decade or two because that health span, whatever it is, isn't going to be there. By the time I retire, I'm going to be wasted. I'm going to be like a, a husk of a person. And there's no point and there's not going to be any longevity, right? Or anything enjoyable later in life. And I just, I had to come to a way to change that reaction. Uh, and it starts with uh, your mindset and the mental space and not just, you know, having support groups and going through different training, but like, um, like specifically around meditation, like actually doing the work consistently daily with something like that to be able to keep checking the narrative, keep changing the narrative and trying to weed out the bad ones uh, on a constant basis. And it's not something that you can give up and it's not something that's going to go away. Just like my addiction with food, you know, I, I recognize that I'm going to have it forever. And it's not something that I can just pretend is going to fix itself or get better unless I'm constantly actively doing something and, you know, if I have an off day, okay, why did I have the off day? What happened that caused me to say, well, I'm just going to go and eat junk food because that's, I, I don't care, too stressed or, you know, I got emotional and I couldn't deal with it. So I gravitated back to that, that comfort. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'd say, you know, in small ways, things are still holding me back in my reactions to things, but it's much more positive because I'm taking an active role and responsibility with it in a way I haven't in the past. Now, again, the unexpected, how, you know, how does that look and whether you can plan for it? Um, you know, I, and uh, there was another gentleman, uh, Sean Cameron on the previous talk kind of aligned around the risk for stability talk is I don't take a lot of risk and especially didn't when I was younger as well. So, I've been a very safe person, which uh, is foolhardy because as you know, the way Steve is expressing, like, you know, change is unavoidable and the unexpected is not what you can expect. Even if you had a crystal ball, you know, it would still somehow play out different than, you know, what you actually think because, you know, the butterfly effect, there's so many things going on in this world that it's impossible at any moment to know how something will play out. Right. Even the predictions, you know, all the climate stuff and that, you know, like we, we never know where it's going to end up. The best we can do is plan. And that's something that, um, you know, really came into focus for me when we had a couple of talks on finances um, a couple of years ago, the mastermind where my retirement and what that looked like was something I'd never planned for and just kind of going along and you know, my career is advancing, but um never thought to really just sit down and say, okay, well, what does that look like? And had I not had that talk and gotten some context around that and say, okay, I need to plan this. I need to figure that out. 
I could have just been, you know, kind of coasting along still at 65 and then like, oops, right? Like, so, you know, and even thinking of like, you know, so by the time I'm 65, will CPP still be around? Probably not. Um, with the way the debt is and COVID and all these things that are going to keep happening, um, you know, what happens when there's the next pandemic, you know, because of the way the food system set up and, you know, how bad humans are from dealing with this one, right? And it's history repeating itself because the, the Spanish flu 100 years ago, exact same patterns played out. And we're here 100 years later with more knowledge, more understanding, more intelligence, supposedly. And we're doing the exact same patterns all over again because there's just too many people. So all I can do is be responsible for myself and my immediate family and friends that I can support. And if I'm working to take care of my health physically, mentally, if I'm, you know, not just depending on the one job and thinking of other ways to kind of spread my, you know, possibilities, how I can generate some income and still find ways to, to help people with stuff like this, you know, I have a chance to deal with that unexpected and not just kind of hide away from it and then it hits and then I don't know what to do or I don't know how to, how to, you know, still be of use and support. So that's uh that's my take on these two but uh cornell let's go over to you for again your professional side as you've said like planning for the unexpected is literally what you get paid to do and on the personal side you you, you know you don't like the, the change but you've had unexpected changes in your personal life throughout the years that are going to keep happening so you know, how do you you know see the the planning and difference on those sides of your life man yeah, so you know, as as I'm listening to Steve talk, and first before I answer that question, Steve, like you went from like three to like twenty in like no time in your conversation. I I think this is, and gents, tell me if I'm wrong here, but that is like the most passionate I have seen this brother ever. I don't know if y'all agree. I mean, he started the conversation. Well, you know, change is change is a thing, and by the end of it, holy shit! Is I thought it's all. Up on the podium, man. Holy cow. Yeah, man. I'm tired. I'm tired of myself, brother. You're Can't be complacent. Can't be complacent. Well, you got passionate. So let's say it's it's real. So I, I give you props for that. Um now I, I was thinking as as I was listening to Steve talk and, and you know self-awareness is a is a is is well it's a it's a blessing and a curse. So you already know that you're screwing up in certain areas and you're trying to will yourself to that point of change. And I'm sitting here and I'm kind of analyzing my situation and kind of Sean, as you pointed out, and I guess, as I've already said, it, it is the very nature of my role, my career, um, to adapt to changes in society, um, in order to succeed. Um, and I guess for me, the personal side is the anchor. And, and, and I guess, you know, you got to lift your anchor up every once in a while and move. Um, I like to change in so many ways. Uh, but when it comes to uh, uh, personal relationships, um, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult thing for me to change. And, and I view it as, you know, it's my one anchor. It's my one thing that I can always come back to that I know will be there. 
even though all these other things are changing constantly throughout my day, I know that one spot, my my sanctuary, my 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 home base is is uh, my address is doesn't change unless I ultimately change it, right? But that's not something that you're changing every day. My address is my address. That's where I come home to. That's my anchor. And and I guess because of all the changes that I have to constantly go through throughout the day, this is the one area that I I I, I want to come back to. Hence why we call it home. Um, so how do I plan for the unexpected? Preparation, ultimately. Um, I find that, uh, I, I, you know, when you're living the corporate life, they, they, they put you through um, uh, courses whereby they, they try to determine what your leadership style is. And they... Um, from deriving what type of personality you have, they they make suggestions on how you can do better. So the idea is that, you know, um, you are good in these areas, strong in these areas, you need to work on these areas types of things. I'm known as, as a, a, a persuader and uh, an intuit. So I can, I, ha I don't know where I got it from, but I have the ability to forecast what's going to come down the road. Um, and generally speaking, I prepare for it. So I take my cues from listening to the news, from reading court cases, from studying. I, I take my cues from that to have an idea of which direction I need to go in. And, and, and I advise, as a consultant, I advise the general manager or the director on what I see coming. So an example is, is um, every year because of the nature of what I do, occupational health and safety and risk management and all that, they ask me how many injuries are we going to have this year for, for 2021? Last year we had 21 injuries. How many are you going to have this year? I say to them, there's going to be a correction in injuries this year. Injuries are going to go up this year. Uh, and what we mean by injuries is is, is compensable injuries, uh, workers' compensation, WSIB. I believe there's going to be a correction in injuries this year. Injuries are probably going to end up going up by about uh, 10 to 15% this year. They said, well, how do you get to that? And I say, well, because of what happened last year, the trend that I've seen, the increase in population, because throughout COVID, you've got so many people who are off that you're hiring extra bodies. When those other people come back, your population has blown up. I believe you're going to see an increase in injuries. Well, the directors thought I was full of shit and they said, nope, 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 nope. You, you, you need to do less injuries than you did the year before. That's just process of improvement, right? Well, here we are the first quarter into the year, injuries right across the board, right across the country, up by 15%. I don't know where I get it from or, or how my brain gets there, but somehow I plan for the unexpected through intuition. And professionally speaking, that has served me well. Uh, personally, I, 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 I haven't been able to um, turn on my intuition button properly. <laughs> 
but you know, so you're still you still plan, right? So the way you've been improving your house, the way you've been yep. preparing your finances, and because you have a daughter, so you're still planning for the future. Yep. And those unexpected, even though see that's the word planning. You're yes. saying adapt. Well, I'm planning. Well, this the oh, the question God. is how do you plan for the unexpected? So it oh, right, right, doesn't right. necessarily mean you're going to know or be able to deal with it. But you know, what are you doing? So because of your daughter, you know, what are the, the things that you've been doing to make sure there's a future? So for her, you know, financially, everything is based on finances in this world. Unfortunately, we're not living in the Star Trek world yet, uh, where you just need to be the best version of yourself. So because finances are at the heart of everything, I'm trying to teach her uh, stocks, uh, investment, uh, investing in herself and investing in um, her future and investing in herself. She's been doing quite a bit of reading, which is good. Uh, she's she's um, she's now asking me for money, like an allowance or whatever for books because she's literally reading constantly. And it's not just, you know, it's not, it's not a romance novel or something. I mean, like she's reading quality educational type stuff where you're exploring um, different aspects of the world, shall we say. Um, and I'll describe that in a future call, but she's been, she's been trying to grow in that manner she's also got a little bit of an entrepreneurial uh side to her hence you know the music stuff that i do or whatever but she's been using her talents uh photography and web creation and all, all that kind of artistic stuff to slowly develop her own business at 22 years old so um i'm nurturing that and I'm trying to prepare her uh, perfect example is in her first job here. She's gotten some racist kind of comments whereby um, the owner of she was working at a as, at a marijuana dispensary and the owner of it said to her that he wants he wants to get a dark skinned Jamaican girl kind of to be kind of the face of the company. What? So first off, why do you need a black person to be the face of your company? Because you're selling marijuana? Like, so that set her off. And then why are you telling me that you need somebody with darker skin? Her skin's like mine. So light skin is, is, is not black people for you or whatever. So she found a lot of difficulties in that, came to me, said, what do I do? And I said, well, it's unfortunate that I have to tell you, but this is your first taste of what you're going to expect, uh, what you're going to see over the next 40 years of your life. Some people don't know they're being racist. They were they were born and raised that way, and they don't understand that what they're saying may be racist. They may actually like black people. They may have, or, or other races. I don't want to just use black people. They may have people coming to their house and in their life and so forth, but they just don't realize sometimes things that they say can be offensive. And, and, and so I'm trying to train her and teach her on that, on what to expect throughout her career. And the best way to prepare for that is make sure that she's financially sound, 
make sure that she has abilities, traits, and qualities that are transferable skills, and as best as she can, develop her own uh, her own path, her own career, whereby she can make money on her own and not necessarily have to live a life whereby she has to work with, or, you know, work. Your professional life is forty at least forty hours a week. Um, so she doesn't have to see those types of people. So that's the preparation that I'm trying to teach her. Um, right or wrong, that's what I'm showing her. And, and, and uh, I hope it serves her well in the future. So that's how I plan for the unexpected. I, I, don't, I don't know if I've answered the question right. It's, it's so, so wrong. So There's no right answers, my friend. Yeah. Just to getting to the, the truth, but thank you. Um, Mr. Mooney, back to you on this one. You know, again, the the unexpected as you're discussing, you can never truly know what it's going to be. So, uh, given that and the changes you've already gone through, and your upbringing of the the moving around, right? How do you plan and prepare for what unexpected things may or may not happen? Yeah, I um, I'm not that um, future oriented. I find that uh, I, but I have vague notions about the future. And, um, and so like the example that's coming to mind as we're talking is the, um, like I, for years I, I lived very small. I didn't want to talk to people. I was afraid of people. Uh, I just, <laughs> I didn't even want to, I was terrified of making phone calls even. It was weird. And I, so I just lived in this little bubble that I made around myself and which is part of what limited my um, career for a long time as a freelancer. And, um, and I realized at some point that, uh, uh, I think it was early on in the, the men's group work when I first started it, which was, was about seven years ago now, um, that, uh, you know, there's, I'm an illustrator. There's probably one or two million illustrators that are as good or better than me at drawing things. You know, and uh, uh, and I realized that you know, and also there was a lot of outsourcing going on. There's people that live in countries that have a lower cost of living, and they can be incredibly talented and outcompete me. And I'm like, well, what am I going to do about this? And I thought, I got to get out of my little bubble, out of my shell. I got to. I realized that leadership was the skill that I needed in order to be resilient for the future. And I felt that like. You know, I'm, even if I go blind, I can't do my job if I'm blind. So if that happened, that's the scenario that goes through my head. What am I going to do? And I felt that leadership was the skill that I could transfer to just about anything. So that's what I've been focusing on uh, learning now. And um, I can help you. <laughs> All right. My area. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, so yeah, so that's been growing a lot. I've just been stepping into leadership positions all over the place. I've been building systems and building a new virtual team that my vision is it'll become a virtual tribe of men's groups and just learning how to work with people inspire them and grow things. And I feel that I could transfer that to all kinds of things and, um, 
And so that's something that I put into place to be able to be resilient for the future. My finances, I just, I really trust my wife to uh, handle a lot of stuff there. So um, like we have a, we've agreed on a system for building our retirement nest egg and building up our real estate, you know, the value of our home and, and having some savings and things like that. And I'm starting to look at um, how can I, how can I leverage my um, career into something that could be uh, like a long-term earner of some sort, even after retirement age? If I'm, you know, if I'm 80, I'm not, I don't know if I'm going to be capable of competing with the younger artists, you know what I mean? At that point. And, um, uh, you know, so how do, how do I keep, how do I keep, I'm just sort of like staring to like visualize like what, what, what could it look like? Could I be creating content uh, that people could be buying or, or somehow monetizing content without having to be like busting my ass? Uh, I mean, still working forward, but you know what I mean? Like, anyway, I'm just trying to create a vision for what that could be right now. So I don't really know what that looks like. Um, and then like also, um, you know, culture is changing and it's really important to grow and adapt with it. And there's a lot, I mean, with the Black Lives Matter movement happening, it was a real eye opener for me. I had, you know, recognized that I have conditioning in me that is, um, that is, you know, comes from growing up in a white supremacist society, basically. And I need to learn how, what that conditioning is and, um, and make changes there. And, um, and also like culturally around gender things that has happened, the gender culture is really adapting and I need to, I have, you know, conditioning or old beliefs or whatever old, that's in there that is limiting. I don't want to hold people down or I don't want, I don't want people to, um, I want everyone to succeed and win. And so I'm like creating a vision, like of, of like building more diversity into my life. And, um, you know, I don't know what that looks like yet, but I just like, look at that. And I need to adapt to those things because, uh, I just want to grow as a human for one thing. And it's also, like, um, you know, I have a, a co-op student right now who's trans and uh, she's awesome. And I have a nephew who identifies as non-binary and they're awesome. And I don't want my mentality to, um, to hurt anybody basically. And I want to be a part of a, a, that growing culture. I just want to be I don't know. I want to be a positive part of it. So those are some things I'm working on adapting my mentality for the future. And um, um, yeah, that's, that's where I'm at. That's a lot of sharing there, man. Good. <laughs> Liking it. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. <clears throat> um, you know, so I, I was fortunate to grow up in Scarborough or at least the, uh, Toronto at the time in Scarborough and always be exposed to diversity at a young age, right? And, you know, you put kids together, doesn't matter where they're from, what they look like, kids will be friends if you give them the chance, 
And it's only the shit that us adults put into their minds and a place on them that becomes the differentiations, the hatred, you know, the, the isms that come in from all that crap. And, um, you know, so I was very fortunate to be exposed to that at a young age. And as well, being a bit of more of introvert, gravitating to science fiction, shows like Star Trek and the like, where it's all about diversity. And yes, it's aliens, but the whole concept was always like, doesn't matter, you know, where they're from. There's some value, there's something unique about them, and that can be cherished. And you can all find a way to still, you know, move forward together. And um, yeah, it's interesting being in Canada too, because uh, a podcast I'm working on, I started already touching on, you know, the way Indigenous aren't treated in Canada as still like, third or fourth or fifth class citizens that it's still we're on their land this is still theirs we just live here now and there's no real way to unmake that or fix it but there's still a healthier way we can start dealing with that and resolve as canadians you know the the nice canadians that we're supposed to be uh, internally doesn't reflect well enough right and there's definitely pockets of uh, smaller towns that not having diversity you know, uh, as often as, you know, big cities like Toronto and that, um, that they don't have the same thoughts that, you know, you were exposed to, I was exposed to. And uh, yeah, the the struggle is always going to be there. We have to keep challenging ourselves and you know, looking at ways to, to see, see the differences as good. Um, throw it over to you, Mr. Borgetz, and get uh, your take on you know, for a man who loves the plan, right? How does the you know, dealing with the unexpected, you know, play out for you when you're looking to plan and prepare for it? No, it's interesting. I'm just listening to all of you. I think, like, yeah, on, on the just subject you, you touched, I think uh, me and my girlfriend, we've been talking. Uh, it's, it's interesting. When the first time I came to Canada, I, I felt like home, right? So because there's diversity, right? It's interesting because for many years, I, I put the false expectation that at some point I'm going to find my country, you know, like where I just really, it's just my home. Oh, um, I really felt kind of home outside of home, right? So, and, and it wasn't um, anything about, um, you know, I don't know, just geographical attachment. It was just specifically about the world, the, the way being around other human beings, right? So like everybody's treated alike or similar. And um, yeah, just to answer your question, how I'm preparing myself, I think discipline and systems, which I love to put in every area of my life. And um, it's funny because if my girlfriend would be here, she would, she would laugh because I would put the discipline everywhere in the system. Like the minute we just relocate to another place as we're traveling, I have to fucking have my system. So I was like, okay, what, what time I'm waking up? What's, what's the, this, this, and that? And like, you know, I love my systems. And I think this is how I'm preparing myself. Similar to Casey, I'm looking at like, what's, um, I guess, what's, the, you know, objectively thinking just what could go wrong and how it could be. But to have this plan in, in, in place where it's like, if X happened, what am I doing? If A, B, C, in like whatever happened, how do I react to this? What is really I'm reacting or just ignoring? Like, you know, what's, um, remember like the term we, I think in one of our sessions on Mastermind we came up with, what was, what was uh, the noise and what was the signal? And I think really just through the years of just defining what's actually the noise, 
and even more terminology I'll bring it. Uh, lately, started questioning myself, you know, I'm juggling a bunch of balls, which one of those balls is crystal and which one of them is rubber, I'm made of rubber, right? So, and if my relationship is a crystal ball, I'm better fucking be prepared. If the money, if my financial success is a crystal ball, I better not fuck around. I just really need to pay attention where the money goes, where I spend the money, be conscious of, you know, how I uh, contribute to my future. This is something how I'm preparing myself. And um, look, I'm, I'm always looking in, into improving those systems to make it better. And I think it's all starts of like who you are, what do you want to be? Your identification, because that's where you build those terms around who you are, because, um, you know, the source of who, well, like, I guess the source of your power from, to, from who you are, what you want to be. And then you just attract those little things, right? So I know a bunch of you men who went through the men's work, you understand this better. Uh, and Casey, you've been around long enough. You also understand this terminology, but I think terms determine um, the systems and this preparation level. And for me, it's very military style. Like, you know, just to hit, I'm really preparing myself to the extent where it's like, fuck, I know ABC, like right after like X happened. And the second, what I started implementing recently is just um, for work. Um, for a long time, I heard that somebody said, if you um, set for your team that they, there is no room for emergencies, that's what it's going to be. Or if you create the space for emergency, that's also what's going to be like, because the consequence, everybody can be fucking calling you every minute and saying, this is emergency, or this is like this fire and that fire. And I um, recently started implementing this by giving responsibility to people and don't call me right away. Right. So I think partially it's similar Casey to you, like, you know, I, I would just block like half of my day and say, this is fucking, this is my time. Like I'm yep. unavailable. I'm completely, I'm on the mute and I don't care. Just like you go and resolve it. But before previously, I would jump and react and straight like, you know, because everybody would bring emergency, right? So those unexpected things in every day for each of us we're facing, I think that's part of like really recognize what is really emergency and give people authority and the rights to deal with it themselves without bugging you for every single detail. It's like, fuck, if it's going to cost me less than hundred bucks, go and fix it yourself. Don't come to me to ask for what to do with it. Um, I had um, assistants or teammates, and now I have um, a business partner, another business, and and I always had uh, people who worked for us, and, and they would come like you know. I find over the years having a big team or managing big teams, more team you have, more you become babysitter, and less you focusing on what's really matters for you as a leader, like what's what's your actual leadership role and position, because you ended up like babysitting, holding hand for everyone. Uh, where I think it should be the opposite is like, well, if I'm bringing you as a professional to my team, um, you you better just use your skills and professionalism for what I hired you for and just take care of it. Why are you being? Just you only come to me just to report and say how we align with the vision and how it all works. Um, and I think this is all, you know, part of this big, like where I want to be at the end. And we only have 24-7, each of us how we react, even like, you know, family emergencies. Like there is certain things where, like I know internally, I can rely on my partner and just say, listen, babe, take care of this. Um, and, you know, if this is the question of X, Y, Z, you just 
again, don't even ask me for this. This is your, like, take responsibilities on both of our behalf. I heard some of you men saying, well, like, yeah, like we just, as a partner, when you're dealing with, I guess, building your own financial success or future or whatever, just like, you have to also put, put the system where it's like, listen, like when it's, I don't know, not might be to the similar expect if it's less than hundred bucks, don't call me, right? So just like, oh, like if it's just something related to this, I fully trust you and you deal this with this way, as long as it's aligned with values and where you're both going. So you don't need to create extra traffic or extra, you know, emergencies or phone calls to, um, to create more stress. Like, I think even more, I'm, I'm looking more how to eliminate the stress every day because the level of changes the world we're living in right now is just crazy. Everything, right? So in, in this just conscious choices, not to follow any social media, conscious choices, not to follow any news and really conscious choices, just, okay, what's my purpose? What I'm really bringing, what I'm, um, what I'm, who I'm communicating, Casey, similar to you, is like, well, who are my circle of those people who I really can rely on and grow with because they're going to change. But what the thing's not going to change is like my trust, which I'm giving to them and integrity I have like back from those people, as well as just like, you know, if it's my family, I'm just, I'm there for them. It's one of my terms, period. So whatever going to happen, it's just, this is, I'm not willing to, to let this crystal ball drop because that's at the end is one of the, those key things, which is important to me. So it means I'm going to create the systems in place. If, you know, something happens, what, what do I do? And, mm-hmm. and I do, right. So I was like, yeah, like if, if I cannot be there physically right now um, uh, and I cannot sit just randomly on the plane and just fly as I used to, like how I can organize the system with my brother where he can take care of most of it, have authority rights, like power of attorney or whatever, handle whatever we require. And like, extra Skype calls we can put in the week to communicate the love to my parents and just really share my life here. I think that's that's kind of long answer again to this question, but I wanted to combine this as rich as I could. So, you know, I can share with you, man. But yeah, mainly systems for me, I think a level of unexpected becomes lo- less stressful when you have a system because you already know consciously this shit gonna happen. Like it's not in your hands. Even like the stuff which you think is in your hands, like most of the time is not. Like it's perception, like we think we're in control yeah. and, and the things just happen, right? So and it's funny, a couple of years ago, somebody said to me, because we were talking about, and I said, oh man, like I wish like, you know, we, we get to this world where it's like all robots, like, and like, uh, a, you know, all the uh, artificial stuff, like where it's like, you know, like intelligence. You tell them they know exactly what to do. Don't ask me fucking questions because the human factor is big. But when you're dealing with humans, you have to be prepared and expect it to happen all the time. Like you just like those things which you still um, cannot rely on on certain things and the things which you could rely with human part of it, knowing that, you know, the big values like friendship, family, going to stand for it. And sometimes my, my fail in your expectations but expectations is only something weird. And again, like never, never helps. It's actually caused more trouble. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's, it goes back to, again, to your simple terms and systems. I'm complete. All right. Thank you, really. Um, Anderson, I know you already touched on the third point, but uh, just bring it back to you for a moment before we 
get some final thoughts from everyone. Um, is there anything else, uh, having heard the, the conversation that you want to add to your, your thoughts on the unexpected in preparation? Yeah. So, I mean, preparation is, is what it is. And, you know, for me, change right now, I'm just listening to everything with KC and Scott were talking about and yourself, Homer, it's, um, we're at, the whole planet is going through change right now. Supremacy is has uh, um, dominated most of our institutions and systems. You know, it could be racial supremacy, economic, gender, religion. There's there's supremacist systems, and you know, different groups have taken these systems and exploited them for their own personal gain. <laughs> But at the end of the day, the root is there's this concept of supremacy. I'm better than you. Um, or you threaten me because you're different. So I have to control and dominate and oppress you. You, get, you have to have an oppressed people to, uh, to be supreme. Supremacy, you have to have someone who's oppressed. So as long as the system stays the same and this so for me the, the whole thing's about change and it's changing what well right now the thing that's under fire is supremacy you know we use education we use all this stuff to to dominate supremacy over other people and the planet is saying we need a new system right but it's look so at the change look at the change the change is hard yeah because it's uncertain and a, and it's a, it's a power shift when every time you're trying to shift, because change, what does power do? Power shifts change. It takes money out of some people's hands, puts it in others. It takes decision-making out of some people's hands, puts it in others. So all these things, land, wealth, all this stuff moves. And nobody, the people who have it, they don't like it. And the problem is we don't even know who those people are really. Because we're just playing the game. We're, we're doing the puppet game. We're talking about things that don't really create change. We're so talking the thing for me, say that again, Casey. I'm talking about power. It's power. It's a power shift. And it's masked as, ra as racism. It's masked. We start a racist conversation and then we get people playing against each other and I'm holding the power while you fools are playing the game. We start right. having an economic conversation and the fools get into the economic conversation and it's a distraction while the supremacy, the system of supremacy just keeps perpetuating. Does a shift. Yeah, it's a magic act, you know. It's a magic act. Go go get on this conversation. And then we get gatekeepers. Right. Yeah. The people who are the gatekeepers who keep perpetuating the system and and all people who participating in the system are perpetuating it, whether you're the perpetrator or the victim. We all keep perpetuating this. And something that you said, uh, Scott, there is no way in the world you can grow up in North America and not be a racist. I don't care who it's it's part of our system. Even if it's which is crazy, term. which is crazy. If you like, like you know what? Do we have diversity in Europe? Absolutely. But How can like, you not be a racist? No, I, I just to be honest, I that, that's I think this is what we putting it, and that's what I'm. I think as parents, you need to be conscious of like what you're raising and um, how you, by your own example, just like you know showing it to your kids. Because I can tell you, like again, for myself, growing up in. In fucking in Germany, where it's like all white, like blue, um, not blue, blue, color, blue, blue eyes, and just uh, you know all this perfect race. I can tell you that's been through all my fucking childhood. 
Yeah. Like, you know, we, we, yeah. we're perfect. Like, and, and guess what? I, I grew up with, as I said to you, like in the beginning of the call, growing up with fully embracing it because we traveled so much. I can find myself exactly. in China or in India or whatever, in just Middle East, and realize, as you said, kids, they don't have this attraction. Like, it's just all adults who create this nonsense. Kids, they don't give a shit. If I want to play, I just go on out and I don't care what's your color and what's your race. You just, you go and you get in and you realize you have assholes in every race in the world and you have yeah. great guys so all, all the around the world. So I think what, what it just brings me to, like, I think the answer to this is like nature showing us, you cannot ignore the change. Like by aging or just by the seasons, they're going to fucking happen. And just nature, just that's that's what it is. And I think this like diversity, it's part of nature. And diversity is part like, of nature. Diversity exactly. is part of nature. And but but also, also, but diversity comes because of uniqueness. And we just don't deal with paradox well. We can't celebrate uniqueness uh, of of each other because because we think in supremacy. Either one of us is going to be on top, the other one's going to be on the bottom. So if I want to celebrate my own uniqueness, I have to oppress you. That's the way supremacy well, works. No, that's, that's, I, you know what I say? I say that we yeah. all I say that we all are, have to be racist, but that's not true. Maybe maybe what, what what's really going on is that we all have this concept of supremacy that's running in the background, and we're all trying to figure out where we where we sat in the in the ladder. Maybe that's maybe that's the real conversation. I didn't think about it before, but let me think about that one because. Um, you know, be number one, be the best. I grew up in the States. If you're not number one, you're a failure. That's just what it is, you know? So, and that's running in the background and it's implicit. We, we have these implicit biases that we're not even aware of that get constantly uh, shaped by, you know, even before we get here, even before we get here through our genetics, epigenetics, they get here. It's with us. And so for me, what it, like I said, what do I need to know that I don't know? I had to stop thinking I have the answers and I know, and I just have to observe myself. And it starts with me. And that's why I'm tired of, of, of being quiet and complacent and stop telling me what the hell to do. I'm stop listening to you. I need to listen to myself and I need to listen to God and the universe, however you process that. What do I need to know that I don't know right now? What do I need to know? And no one else can tell me that. It's not a human thing. No one else on this planet knows what I need to know because no one else on this planet right now is demonstrating absolute love. <laughs> you know, well, that's it. Like, survival I think it, it, it goes. I think all this wars and all the things, it just comes from insecurity and just like, as you said, control. I think control comes from the place of just fear, right? So fear of just losing oh, something or fear. Like, and I think if we embrace, we're already like full and complete and there is like... And we're coming from a place of no fear, right? So yeah. all this thing's going to disappear. Even like, you know, we're talking about hate. I think hate is just resistance of like change. And again, fear that exactly. whatever comes, whatever comes going to be negative, right? So I think that's just, that's where it's all going. <laughs> that's where as long it is. as you just, yeah, as long as you come that's in with no is. fear. Yeah. Yeah. We don't deal with whole and complete and we don't deal with no fear. Well, you know, everything's driven by fear, what we're going to lose, all this sort of crap. You know, and then we keep trying to get solutions out of that mindset when you can't solve the problem with the, the thinking, the mind that created it. You know, that's just stupid, but that's what we do. <laughs> that's what we do. 
So for me, the, the last thing that I want to say about this is this is what I'm doing with myself. I'm looking at my, I'm trying to observe my implicit biases through just seeing what I don't know that I need to know. I'm on automatic. And my automatic is survival. And my automatic is winning. Uh, my automatic is getting up one more time than I've been knocked down. You knock me down. Okay, great. I'm here. I'm hurt. And I'm gonna lick my wounds. And I'm gonna get up. But the problem is when I get up, somebody's gonna get hurt. I'm not getting up in a passive way. I'm getting up swinging because that's how I know how to get up. Otherwise, I'm just gonna lay here in a heap. So even that doesn't serve me because when I get up, there's some damage. It's and like, you know what's reminding me? Sorry, I was just like, remember what was uh, Betty's home? Like, remember the part two, like where it's like family movie where this big guy comes back and just like, and I think we also just got embedded in our like minds that we need to get up and just fight. Where yeah. it's like, remember the, the girl in the movie said, you know, like someone said, instead of fight, let's dance. <laughs> like, you know, and just he's like, let's do dance instead of just fighting. Because you I think that, that's, yeah. the, that's something to because take Because you, 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 don't, you don't have to bring, like, you know, if just, if you bring this negative and shit to my life and just you're really against me, like somebody, somebody said about this, like really lots of wise people. And they said, you cannot just cure uh, hate with hate or just, yeah. you know, uh, hurt with hurt. There's a saying yeah. said, hurt people, hurt people. Right. So, and I think that that's, that's a crazy part. You need to just really embrace the change, embrace whatever is happening, embrace the hurt you're going through, but come back more powerfully knowing who you are with this love and just adjust it because this is the only way to go. Like, I think the future is always going to be bright and happy. It's just all on you, how you're taking it. Yeah, What's I that? love that. You can't change hurt with hurt. That's, uh, that's real. But that's how, we, that's how we do it, though, man. We got, we, we're hurt, so we try, to, we try to use that hurt to, to come up with our solutions. And that's not going to happen. So the, the planning, uh, the planning... I, I don't know if it's unexpected, John. I don't know if this is unexpected or not. Um, because every time there's some forward progress, there's always a backlash. You know, you get rid of slavery and then you get Jim Crow. <laughs> you know, you, you have Obama, you get Trump. It's like every time you push forward, it's like the, the forces that are that are there present in that moment they haven't really changed from, they push back. And that's perturbation. Perturbations that that boiling water, or when you try to push through a balloon, it's that moment of just about to push through. And if you can push me back, no change. But if I burst through, then I'm into new territory. I'm, I'm in a new state. I've gone from being water to steam. But the problem is, how do I function as steam? I'm water. I know how to be water. I don't know how to be steam. Because I'd rather be dirty water. You see, people would rather be dirty water than have to become steam. Because what happens to me? So that's where I am right now, man. I'm, I'm allowing myself to become steam. And it's not, it's perturbation. It's not a, it's not a soft, easy process because it takes a breakthrough. And just a and I'm just looking at my breakthroughs. You're saying, I'm, I want to be this. And then I'm like, it always comes from men's work. Somebody would say, be like a water. Right? Remember that? Yeah. Exactly. Don't be a steam. That's, be like a water. That's Bruce yeah. Lee. Well, it's, Flow yeah. like water. Yeah. So um, my plan right now is just to observe myself, and uh, and 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 allow myself to change, 
And uh, so I got to get rid of my judgment. I got to forgive myself. I got to forgive others. Uh, I don't do forgiveness easy, especially toward myself. Um, but uh, but I have to learn. I'm learning forgiveness. Um, and um, I'm learning to look at myself and to learn and to let myself change without trying to change. I think I know to change. I'm a, I'm a planner. That's what I do, strategic planning. But I'm gonna, I don't know what to do because I'm trying to change from the same mind that created all my crap. So I'm trying to let go of my myself and just notice who I am. And I got my implicit biases, I can see them. And I got my explicit biases, who I've built myself to be. And when they're not matching, it creates havoc for me. <laughs> when who I am in my true self, all my fears and all my crap, my driving behavior, when it doesn't match this man that I've created, my Olympic gold medal coach, Steve Anderson, when I don't show up as Olympic gold medal coach, Steve Anderson, and I show up as scared little nine-year-old Steve, Stevie, and they don't match, it causes me some serious internal mental, emotional conflict. And it doesn't look pretty in the world. I don't express it in a pretty way. So I'm gonna have to get who I am today in who I am inside to match better. And that's what I'm trying to do is get me more congruent and, and to match instead of, you know, and Alex, this talks to what you're talking, we can, we, can, we can create change and we can be different, but it doesn't, but that little, that shadow's still in there. And when we're under pressure, you see the supremacy, you see the racism, you see the bias, it comes straight to the surface. It comes straight to the surface and, uh, I think this because of this ugliness, I've been resistant to call other people out and call myself out and call out the system because it allows me to it allows me to be a hypocrite. It allows me if I'm if I don't it's a gentleman's agreement. <laughs> I'm not calling you out, so I don't have to change. I can be a supremacist. I can be you know I can I can try to dominate over young people or women or whoever the hell I try to dominate over. You know. I'm not gonna call you out. You don't call me out. Well, that's over, man. Call me out. So, Sean, what are your uh, takeaways, brother? Yeah, uh, just one comment on that thread, and thank you, Steve. It was very impactful, man. Uh, the the paradox you talk about paradoxes with humans. Uh, a tolerant society cannot tolerate intolerance, because for us to be civil and for us to appreciate and respect each other and embrace the differences the people who can't don't belong it's it's just a paradox right because they will always be adverse they will always be against but in that same vein you know we think like things that happen like the world wars and you know the constant struggles that people of different races different genders are going through on a continued basis this modern day it's never going to end either. And we think at some point there's going to be relative peace and these issues are just going to figure themselves out. The boiling water example, you know, will always be water. We want to be steam. We think we can be steam, but humanity will still be water. And, you know, that's okay. <laughs> but it's a matter of, you know, continuing to fight for that chance and continuing to support the younger generations and it's never going to end in it you know because we uh, at least my generation the child of the baby boomers 
So it's the baby boomers and then I'm the child of the baby boomer. And, you know, there's a certain relative piece that I've always known because I happen to be in North America and there's been no, you know, immediate danger in the way uh, countries like in the Middle East are going through every day. They have a much different view on how life is right now than we do here. You know, we're dealing with COVID. We still have the chance to deal with COVID where some of them are, you know, can't even have clean water and soap to actually deal with it and protect themselves. So there's always this dichotomy of the, the present day that, you know, things are okay, but it's never going to be. And we always have to keep the fight going and it's never going to end. And if we think we can put on our laurels, like you said, Steve, you're going to be heap in the ground. What happens to the people around you? They're suffering. So you can get the hell back up. And as you said, you don't want to fight getting up, but you have to get up and do something. So how do you make sure you keep doing that, keep doing that, keep doing that, and just, you know, keep pushing on and helping, you know, in any way you can, right? And to think that we can just take a day off, it's, it's, it's the, the lying that we're telling ourselves. So we'll have to keep fighting, have to keep pushing. And um, where that comes up for me is back to, again, the struggle with addiction with food. Right, you know, just coming to terms with the fact that I'm always going to be dealing with this. I didn't used to treat it or believe it was a real addiction or it was like something that uh, you know I chose to do myself, and you know I keep choosing to do it myself. But there's a dependency that I formed on this over the years, and you know it's been a defining thing, good and bad, throughout my life. So the the kind of takeaway of recent, you know. Uh, uh, things that we discussed here is just you know, being able to be present to that and knowing that there's a responsibility in making that you know something that I keep working towards and then by starting to talk to it talk about it more uh, which I don't that often is how can I help people who have also been struggling with this who continue to struggle with this and maybe give them some support and inspiration to fight themselves and to keep battling it and, you know, better themselves against it and prepare. So that's, that's kind of something that's coming out from this. Um, uh, over to you, Cornell, for some final thoughts on today's talk, man. Final thoughts. I, I, uh, if I can say anything, and I know generally speaking, we like to have a, uh, uh, um, what do we call it? A post-mortem kind of thing uh, for, for these calls whenever we have them. I, I'm just going to say it right out here right now, you know, where we say what went well. <laughs> uh, this topic uh, did not register off the hop as something as passionate as it has turned out to be. So um, I like uh, the many facets that we looked at as far as resilience in, in, in spite of adversity, uh, of adversity, we all have our own uh, challenges in our personal and professional lives that we're battling. And, and, and clearly we're hearing it from many different uh, lifestyles uh, on today's show. So uh, yeah, for me, the takeaway is that uh, <laughs> we must remain resilient. We have to continue doing <laughs> what we're doing here because um, clearly we, we're all well and uh, self-aware enough that uh, we need to make a few changes and keep uh, keep fighting the good fight. So 
the, the, the takeaways are, are, uh, being open and listening to a lot of these things and recognizing where my own, uh, where my own uh, boundaries are that I've got to break through as, as, as Steve put it to break through that barrier. So, uh, yeah, that's my takeaway. Oh, and I want to, I want to see if I can meet up with Scott afterwards because he says he does artwork. <laughs> yeah. Cool. <laughs> All right. Mr. Mooney, if you can give us uh, some thoughts and kind of takeaways from today. Yeah. Yeah. This has been a great conversation. Um, a couple of things came up for me uh, around resilience of my purpose in meeting my men's group and organization and things is to build resilient community. And I, I, um, my context for it is that every man on the team is capable of leading the team and that every man on the team is a leader of the team. I'm, although I'm a captain, uh, you know, every man on the team owning the success of the team is what makes it successful. So it, it just makes me, it's something, it just makes me think about like, you only win if everybody wins. And that's what, I think that's what resilience is. I mean, there's small wins, but, but I mean, like, uh, so it's just, I was just thinking about Steve's comment about like the supremacy thing and, and like, I'm trying to conceive and, and put in action some kind of a thing where, where uh, we, we all win, we, everybody wins, that's the way to win. If, if I wanna win, everybody's, I want everybody to win. And um, I think that's what resilience is like. And um, around diversity made me think of a, something Alan Watts talks about and he said, uh, you know, there was, in the early days of genetic manipulation, they brought uh, the scientists brought in a bunch of uh, philosophers, including Alan Watts, to say, "Okay, we can make any kind of person we want now. So tell us what kind of people should we make?" And Alan Watts said, "Please, just let there be lots of different kinds of people. <laughs> like we need, we really need that diversity. It's like it's what makes. I guess it's, it speaks to that resilience. You know, you need everybody's." everybody um so those are some things that are coming to mind uh at the moment around that and um and like and the idea of leadership being about making everybody a leader yeah uh, you know so yeah i'm complete thank you man uh, mr Bergantz, final thoughts Um, embrace the change with no resistance, you know, like, I guess, embrace the change with passion and understanding. I think that's, if I were to word it for myself, that's, that's what it is. Um, I think I'm, I'm doing it quite a bit and I'm just, I'm simply learning. Like there are lots of aspects which came through the call, which I'm just making notes for myself. I think definitely it just i think constantly remind that the change will come and i think the last portion as we were just discussing steve like i think just be conscious of how you're reacting to this change right i think um for myself i'm almost thinking just that's the cause of most of my problems i created through the years depends on how i react 
whether I go in ego or whether I go by society rules. But I think if I just go deep and just ask myself what, who, I, who am I, like as a man, and what I'm trying to stand for, my internal agreements, um, I think that's, that's what's going to create the better change through the change I'm experiencing. I don't know if it makes sense. So that's just, that's my takeaway. Thank you, man. Well, uh, we are at the end and I wanted to thank you all for your time and the uh, deep conversation. Um, uh, and Cornell, you know, I purposely weave these in a way to make sure we go deeper than, than you might think offhand. Uh, and um, I, You know, we've had some conversations that are very, I don't want to say matter of fact, but it's kind of like, hey, what has your experience been in like leadership? You know, um, well, there is a little bit of a formula to it, but your own personality comes into play. And then we have subjects where it's just all kinds of passion just comes out. This was one of those. Yeah. Yes. So as always, uh, thank for your time and your voices. And uh, coming up next month on uh, April, da, 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 da. that's not giving me the dates. April 10th, Saturday, April 10th, we have Finding Authenticity in Social Media, which oh, is I want to hear. a topic for a couple of men here who avoid social media, but, you know, are you being, you know, averse? That's the fact that it's to... not authentic. Uh, that's... That's interpretation, isn't it? Perception. Yes. So we'll be exploring that and what that looks like. But um, yeah, so hopefully you can uh, come out or listen in. Again, thank you for your time. It's a wonderful talk and uh, wish you all the best for today and the weekend. Thank you, man. It was good talking to you. I'm glad to Mr. Holland. Thanks for